back to the Bow Money Show live on SteadyPicks.com. I'm your host, Adam Bowen. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely honored to have a very special guest with us today. Dick Vitale once called him a diaper dandy. He's hung out at the Playboy Mansion with Hugh Hefner and all his girlfriends. He played golf with President Barack Obama. But most college basketball fans remember him for his bombshell girlfriend, floppy hair, headband, no-look passes, and deep threes for the Florida Gators. He then went down to South Beach to play for the Miami Heat. He went overseas to play professionally for 10 years. He now owns the New Zealand Breakers, and most notably might even be his time spent playing in the basketball tournament for Barstool Sports with the GOAT, Dave Portney, and Big Cat. The man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, my good friend, Matt Walsh. Welcome to the Bow Money Show, exclusively on SteadyPicks.com. I'm your host, Adam Bowen. Matt Walsh, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, it's March Madness. It's that time of the year. I don't know if you realize this. Can you believe that it's been 18 years since you played in the NCAA tournament in March Madness? It's crazy coming up on 20 years. Um, no, I can't believe it. I'm old. I'm washed up. <laughs> it's terrible. So after this weekend, tonight's the first night of the Sweet 16. After this weekend, it's going from 68 to 4, the final four. You've been there. What are these guys thinking? The guys that are still alive, the guys that have been bounced out. What's going on with some of these players, the coaches, the schools, the programs? You know, what's the vibe like? Yeah, I think I saw a stat the other day, something like 13 of the 16 remaining teams have never had a championship, something like that, yep. which is, you know, awesome for these universities, what it means financially um, as a player just advancing through the weekend. Um, this time of year, you know, the seniors are thinking that, one more loss and they're done at the program. There's so much going through. A lot of guys are preparing, you know, will be preparing for the NBA draft after this. So um, depending on the program, there's a lot going on, but this is the most exciting. I'll be quite honest. This is the only time I can watch college basketball. I think it's unwatchable, <laughs> it's totally unwatchable unless I'm going to the Moody center uh, to watch live, but to tournament time, I can tolerate it. Why do you think college basketball is unwatchable? What about it? Don't you like well, three things. I think Jeff Van Gundy said some of these this week, too. It, the, every four-minute timeout is just brutal from a viewing experience. There's no freedom of movement. Uh, I'm all for, like, playing defense, but it makes the game just brutal. The 30-second shot clock is brutal. You know, pull, get it down to 24 so these guys can play up and down. And the, the fake flop charges. Eliminate the charge. There's no, <laughs> there's no more charge block. You know, well, there's block, but there's no more charges. Just take charges completely out of the game. And college basketball will be 90% better. Let's go back to 2006. You're just coming off the SEC championship for the first time in school history where you're MVP, you're cutting down the nets. And then all of a sudden the second round of the NCAA tournament during March Madness, your season ends to Villanova and your career is over. Talk to me about how you're feeling at that time and what's going through your head. I was crying like a baby, I think. Um <laughs> I think I knew, you know, guys I had played with, I knew we were going to be moving on. Anthony Roberson, David Lee, guys who I was there my whole career. I ended up leaving as well. But um, it sucks, man. Like, all you want to do at this time of year is win. And when you get a taste of it, like going through the SEC tournament, that was the first time in school history that we won the SEC tournament. We finally beat Kentucky twice in one week. All you want to do is keep it going. Like, you just want to keep playing with your teammates. Because no matter what, this is the only time you're ever going to be with that specific team. The following year, you'll have new freshmen, you'll have seniors leaving, the transfer, port, the transfer portal now. So it's just brutal. I remember like a feeling of, man, this is it. Um, 
<laughs> and losing to like my hometown team, Villanova. I love Jay Wright. I knew all those guys. It's just pain. It's just yeah. pure pain. Um, it's like one of those kind of pains where you, every time you wake up for like the next month, it's the first thing that comes to mind and you're like, shit. Right. Well, the good news is you had someone good to wake up next to during that time. So talk to us about Matt Walsh, the person a little bit. You dated the playboy model, Lauren Anderson. You got a lot of flack. What was it like at Rupp Arena? They held up signs. They held up pictures of Lauren. What was it like dating a playboy model and being a college superstar? I mean, it had its perks, um, certainly. <laughs> but um, in terms of going and playing, I'll never forget. I'll tell you a few stories here. One, first, my freshman year, like right before we played um, Kentucky, everyone in the top five lost. We were ranked four or five or something, and everyone ahead of us lost. So we got ranked number one for the first time in school history my freshman year, right ahead of like the Super Tuesday game at Rupp Arena. So we were playing uh, at Rupp Arena. It's like 25 or 30,000, sellout crowd. Um, we were down 60 to 28 at halftime. I just remember being like, well, there goes the number one uh, rating. That, that was pretty quick. And they had an awesome team that year. But the whole, I mean, 25,000 people chanting, Walsh is gay. Fuck you, Walsh. Uh, I loved it. You know, I loved it. At the yeah, end yeah, of the game, yeah. I got like, we were getting smoked. I did like a reverse dunk. Everyone went crazy booing me. Um, and then some other ones. Yeah, I mean, they think my favorite sign um, in Gainesville, they'd make awesome signs. Like uh, you just see signs like Walsh me, I'm dirty and stuff like that from the you know, female friends. That was fun. But um, I played at Georgia one time and they held up a sign that said uh, Walsh wears jorts. Thought that was pretty good. Uh, jean shorts. <laughs> and then I played at Tennessee like my junior year and they had printed out like 5,000 pictures of my girlfriend at the time, Lauren, with uh, Hey Walsh go Vols over her uh, lady parts. So, um, yeah, that came with, like I said, I think the perks outweighed the, the fans uh, come getting on me. I always, I always enjoyed playing on the road. The person. How the hell did you end up at the Playboy Mansion? Just pure good luck, I think. Um, uh, you know, I had a good freshman year. Um, I met Lauren. We ended up dating. Uh, yeah, there's a funny story to that, too. I'm not sure it's uh, appropriate to tell. It's, um, it's appropriate. And then, it's appropriate. <laughs> um, I, she may tell a different side of the story, so I'll just leave that at that. But anyway, we started dating, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, the Midsummer Night's Dream Party was like the big lingerie party every summer uh, in August that Hugh Hefner put on, uh, rest in peace. And um, it was pretty it was pretty amazing. You had to get like, in order for a guy to get in, you had to get like an exemption, essentially. So um, I got allowed in and wore my pajamas and there was a whole, it was a, it was a whole thing. It was, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. Um, all the guys from Entourage were there. Um, it was a lot of fun. I was fortunate. I got to go to the mansion a couple times. I went for movie night. I went for Sunday dinner and I went to the, oh, wow. the, uh, midsummer night's dream party. I think three times I went to a 4th of July party, some good times. No, they're not walking around naked. Uh, it was okay. a lingerie party. So there was a lot of skin being shown and a lot of nudity, but, um, it was just basically an awesome party at one of the coolest mansions in Beverly Hills with a bunch of cool people. 
and you know what happens behind the scenes uh, i've got no comment on but um it was just an awesome party with a lot of good looking people that i probably had no business being there but um weaseled my way into a few times so. gainesville you go from gainesville straight down to south beach you play for the miami heat you're on the same team as shaq and d wade tell us about that what's it like playing with shaq and d wade how did they treat you yeah, it was awesome. I mean, the whole time I was there, which wasn't very long, but a couple of months, I think I signed in summer league in July and I ended up getting cut in December. Um, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I think a lot of guys get, even though I always expected to play in the NBA, you know, I would look around and I was like, oh, I'm friends with Shaq. Uh, you know, I'd go, I went and watched like a Roy Jones Jr. fight at Shaq's house. Um, and people always want to know like my favorite Shaq story. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a few. Um, the one thing about Shaq is uh, like every single thing you see about him is a hundred percent genuine. Like his personality on TNT, the amazing stuff he does for kids. Uh, I'll give you one example. So I first car, of course I ever get uh, first time NBA players in Escalade, like back, back in the day, like that's, that was like the starter kit for yeah. a rookie. So I get an Escalade and I come down to go to practice one day and my car is sideways in the parking spot. Somebody had ran into it drunk. I'm like, what the fuck? So this is before Uber. So I have to go downstairs to Flamingo, South Beach, get a taxi to practice. I'm late. The assistant coach is busting my, by late. I mean, I wasn't like three hours early. I was like two and a half hours early because Miami Heat, that's basically late. Um, and Pat Riley rules. Yeah. I'm telling the story in the locker room and like just quietly after I'm telling the story, uh, Shaq comes over and he's like, uh, he called me Wash, Wash. He's like, Wash, brother Wash, call me brother Wash. Uh, I'll give you a ride home. And I was like, okay, like <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. My car's wrecked, thank God. Like, <laughs> I'm getting ride home with Shaq. So for like a, three weeks while my car is getting fixed, every day Shaq would give me a ride home after practice, ride to practice. Um, and... Um, I'll never forget. We, we would be driving over like the causeway. I think it's 195 or, um, uh, from practice arena to South beach from Miami to South beach. And he'd be like, you want to take the short way or the long way? And I'd be like, what's the long way? And he'd be like, well, the long way is we're going to go uh, drive around South beach looking for girls for you. And I would be like, <laughs> let's fuck, let's fucking take the long way. And we'd drive around and pull over. And he had, um, this is when he was like a U.S. Marshal. So he had this sick Infinity SUV, red Infinity SUV that had like the police lights and stuff on it. And um, we'd pull up <laughs> next to someone. He'd call him over and he'd be like, this is Brother Wash. You, you're gonna, you should give him your number. And um, I'd be texting my friends on like my, you know, bullshit, like before this was iPhones. And I'd be like, I'm in the fucking car with Shaq. He's giving me a ride home. And for Shaq, oh it was just God. him doing a nice thing. Um, and for me, it's, you know, I always tell that story because he was just the best. Is there any chance that cell phone you were on was your T-Mobile sidekick back in the day? It could have been, yeah, it could have been a sidekick. <laughs> I thought I was so quiet, like three phones. I had a sidekick and, um, I'll never forget it. When I was playing for the heat, I went to the VMAs and, um, as like a Miami heat player, I got to go to the gifting stuff. So you just walk around getting free shit. And this is, I was a 21 year old kid who like, <laughs> never got anything like that. And you just go in the Verizon gifting and they're like, okay, here's a free phone for a year. Like the best new oh free phone. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And then you go and you get a watch and you go in the sunglass hut and you can pick out as many pairs of sunglasses as you want. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. 
Yeah, you know, I think my NBA signing with the Miami Heat was like a dream. They won the championship that year. It feels like fake. The next year, I signed with the New Jersey Nets after a really good summer league. And I actually think like if you, my preseason numbers that year were really good. I had like 15 points in a game. I had eight and eight in a game. I think NBA with the bottom three guys on each roster spot, a lot of it's timing and opportunity. And that I think was actually my best chance to have stuck in the NBA. Like I had a real role there. And unfortunately with just roster construction, but that was the most fun I ever had. I was playing with Vince Carter and Jason Kidd. And I'll never forget. We were playing in Toronto and I was like first up in the game. And I looked around and it was me, Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson and Cliff Robinson on the court. And I was like, well, one of these guys doesn't fucking fit. But um, <laughs> but it was just like made a it. crazy. It was like a crazy moment where I was like, OK, like I can do this. And like I felt like I belonged more there. Didn't work out. But yeah. So you know, as soon as I got cut from the heat, um, I signed in Greece. My first year in Greece was totally nuts. I was a total psychopath. Um, you know, like I still wanted to be in the NBA. So I just had this approach of like. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Um, I was newcomer of the year in Greece. I was like first team all league as a rookie. This kind of stuff doesn't happen in like those kind of leagues. We, our team, Olympia Larissa made the playoffs for the first time in club history. It was so much fun, but I was a, I'm sure I was a nightmare to be around The poor coach. Um, I probably made his life hell, but um, yeah, I kind of, after that year, I changed my approach. I realized that Europe was where I was going to be. Um, and um, I had I was so fortunate. You know, I got to live in Greece, Spain, Turkey, Germany, France, Italy, um, Slovenia, and see the world. I got to play in EuroLeague a number of years, play against some of the best players in the world. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was um, not what I envisioned. You know, growing up, I always believed I'd be an NBA All Star. I probably probably my uh, my unwavering belief is what got me to even have a little chance in the NBA, given my physical tools. Um, but it was a dream. You know, I got to see the world. I lived in some incredible places. Some of my relationships I built all over the world. I had friends everywhere. It was, um, you know, something now looking back, it's helped shape who I am and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And you ended up buying the New Zealand breakers. How did that come about after you got done playing? Well, I can certainly tell you I had no, never had any intention of buying a team in the Australian Basketball League. Um, when I retired, I was very fortunate. Um, the guy, Jason Levian, who was my first agent coming out of school, brilliant sports businessman. He, um, at the time when I was playing, he originally was part of the Sixers group with Josh Harris that bought that deal. Then with Robert Perra in um, Memphis Grizzlies. And then ultimately... What Jason was a master of is recognizing value in sports media deals before anyone else. And he recognized that in the MLS, purchased the DC United. And when I retired, uh, we did some real estate stuff together. And then we ended up, I ended up investing in DC and helping with their uh, USL team. And I basically fell in love with this idea of like the sports owner executive. And then a mutual friend of the former owners of the Breakers introduced me to them. And I saw this opportunity and went over and did some diligence. And I saw this league that um, had a connection to the NBA, proximity to Asia, and that had real upside in terms of media rights. And very quickly, I was like, oh, my God, this league is going to blow up. Like, I've, I've got to buy this thing that you know, essentially we own the biggest 
private sports franchise in New Zealand. You know, we represent the whole country. There's some rugby and cricket, but those kind of sports aren't really global sports. So um, it was just an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And all of a sudden, you know, I started looking at the deal at the end of 2017, bought the team essentially March 1st, 2018, and I moved there in July of 2018. You have a lottery pick on your team, right? Ray and Rupert. Uh, he's from France, and he's projected to be a lottery pick. What makes him so special? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, this is going to be our fourth draft pick in five years, which is pretty amazing. Um, the only time we didn't have a next star was the first year of COVID just because of the uncertainty. We didn't want to bring an 18-year-old kid into that. Um, yeah. But RJ Hampton was the 24th pick. Last year, Usman Jang was the 11th pick. Uh, I think Ryan's going to end up being top 10. Look, he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, with a 7'3 wingspan. If you look at the guy, he looks like an elite wing NBA player. Um, he's got a good touch. He broke his wrist this year, which I think set him back shooting some. But he's an elite defender. We've had, in my time, whatever, 100 players or something like that come through the breakers. By far the hardest worker we've ever had. Not hardest working next star, hardest worker, period. Um we lost the finals on a Wednesday night in Sydney, flew back to uh, Auckland on Thursday, and I went in Friday morning to the office at 7.30, and he's in there working out um, with one of our assistant coaches, did a two-hour workout. So he's got a bright future. The NBA teams absolutely love him. Everyone wants a wing defender who can knock down shots nowadays. And I the projected number one pick in this year's upcoming draft is uh, also from France, right? Um, how do you, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. How do you pronounce his name? Wim? Yeah, Victor Winnembaya. He's yeah incredible they actually have the same agent ryan and uh, they do Victor, okay a close friend of mine Buna and jai one of the best agents in the business this guy is the best prospect ever <laughs> you know just put bluntly seven foot really? four seven foot five it's not i think you're going to see trade offers and guys trying to move to get him around draft day like you've never seen before um, how did the relationship with Barstool Sports come about. You played on their team for the basketball tournament. You met your friends with Portney, Big Cat. How did that come about? Yeah, so it actually started with me talking shit to Prez on Twitter. <laughs> what? Um, it was like when Mich Michigan and Florida were playing um, in like the NCAA tournament one year or something, and I tweeted something at him and um, he responded, we were talking shit. He said, Oh my God, it's that Matt Walsh. Uh, and I think he made busted my balls about losing money, betting on me in Florida or something like that. When TBT got announced, I can't remember how I read about it or something, but I hit up Dan, uh, big cat and Prez. And I was like, look, why don't you guys sponsor us? All you have to do is give us your brand and you guys can film a ton of content around it. And we'll be the Barstool team. We'll get the most fans. Um, and we did, um, we ended up losing in the final, but fuck, that was fun, man. That was that may be the most fun I've ever had playing on a team. Donnie McGrath, Donnie Jones, um, I'm sorry, Dante Jones. Um, man, that was fun. We had so much fun that team and um, Prez and Big Cat. We played the final in Boston, it was nuts. Feidelberg getting the crowd going. So, ever since then, uh, we've been friends. I went to DP 40, Dave's 40th birthday in Vegas, which was fun. Um, Dan Big Cat does uh, some sponsorship with our pickleball team, so he invested in some stuff with us. So it's been, it's been a good relationship. Those are those are just awesome guys. I love Barstool. They were on our jersey first first year of ownership with the Breakers, which was pretty cool.
Big Cat's responsible for the following year in TBT, us losing in the first round because we had quite a late night with Big Cat the night before <laughs> the tournament started. I, I still haven't recovered properly from that night. So me, Donnie, and some of the other guys were staying at Joe Kim Noah's place in Chicago. It was in Chicago that year. I think we we turned a dinner into an all-nighter. I think we had like a noon game or something like that. Um, <laughs> and needless to say, I didn't play very well. None of us did. And um, I think we were favored in like <laughs> to go back to the finals or something. We lost in the first round. So, um, yeah, that was my TBT experience. But you had fun. Yeah, I wouldn't have traded any. I, I wouldn't have changed anything if you asked me now. About what's next? What's your future plans? Um, what are your goals moving forward? Yeah, so I love the sports ownership stuff. I'm part of a group that um, obviously I'm the managing owner of uh, the New Zealand Breakers. We also own Nakaxa FC and Liga MX. We own uh, Pickleball Team. We're looking at another acquisition in South America. It's a lot of fun, the sports and executive uh, kind of life. I never imagined that uh, I would do this. And um, I do some other stuff. I invest in do some private equity investing in some different companies, but nothing's like sports. It's just so much fun. So my plan is to continue to grow the breakers. My vision was always for us to be the most recognizable basketball brand in the world outside of the NBA. Um, so we're going to continue to sign these draft picks. We're going to continue to play NBA preseason next year. We'll be one game better and we'll win the finals and um, continue to look for other opportunities in sport that I think make sense. You know, for me, it's basketball and soccer, football. Those are the two global sports. And then you throw in something like pickleball um, if the opportunity comes. But yeah. I love it. I love what I do. Um, you know, essentially, I spend my time uh, meeting interesting people who I think could be good partners on sports deals and, and looking for the next deal. So um, it's a lot of fun. There you have it. The man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Matt Walsh. Matt, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. And uh, we look looking forward to watching the New Zealand Breakers and the NBA draft and see where Rupert ends up. And uh, thanks again. We're rooting for you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. I think you'll see Ryan go top 10. And next time we'll do a uh, podcast after dark. And I'll tell all those stories that uh, probably will uh, – draw some scrutiny if I if I told them today so we'll skip them today but next time I promise I'll tell you the good stuff all right well I'm gonna hold you to that thanks again we appreciate your time best of luck all right cool thanks Al.